Hello and welcome to Retrospective Replay Episode 1, a weekly serialised podcast taking an in-depth look into video games. This is Season 2, Metal Gear Solid. My name is Ian and with me tonight is Michael, hello. Hello, Ian. How, How are you are doing? You? <laughs> well, I asked you first. <laughs> <laughs> I am okay. Apart from my car breaking down, I'm fine. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm not too bad. I had my first COVID vaccine on Thursday, so I'm mm-hmm. on the road to being fully vaccinated. Fully but, vaccinated. Yeah. Indestructible. Indestructible, yeah, I'm indestructible now. <laughs> well, no, actually, oh, no, not- I like Breeze, but actually indestructible. Yeah, I hope that they haven't put nanomachines into me. <laughs> nanomachines, son. <laughs> have you have you played Metal Gear Rising? Uh, no, no, I haven't. Okay, so it's season two. It's a new game, and we were going to do Mass Effect. However, when we started it, I think we kind of realised there was just too much dialogue, too many options, and it would probably be really hard to try and get a deep dive done without doing 60 or 70 episodes on that game. It would have been nice to tie into the Legendary Edition, which just come out. But let's just stick back with our retro, retro roots. We are retrospective replay, after all. And this is a game we've both played, and I think we've both played it quite a bit over the years. Yeah, I've played all of the series of Metal Gear, except for uh, Metal Gear Solid Five, Metal Gear Five, Metal Gear Solid Five. Yeah, it doesn't count anyway, because Keeper Sutherland was the voice of Yeah, Snake, no, it so. doesn't count, no doesn't count and it wasn't the same it was good I enjoyed it still but it wasn't the same it wasn't it doesn't have the iconicness of one or, or anything else i even played the two prequel games metal gear and metal gear solid 2 or yeah metal gear solid 2 metal gear is it metal gear 2 solid metal snake metal gear 2 Me- solid snake that's the one yeah, yeah. metal gear actually, 2 I've, I've touched them but i haven't played them very much have you beat them yeah i played them on an emulator when i played uh, when i was it after metal gear metal gear solid 3 I was interested in going back and finding out. I'd read up on the story and stuff, so I was like, oh, I'll play them. I mean, you know, they're really dated, but yeah. it's it was interesting. I mean, it was worth doing it for completion. True. Well, fortunately for the listeners, they don't have to play that because we have a very small breakdown of the two earlier games. Well, this game has a small down breakdown of them as well. Yeah, and then we've, we've, <laughs> yeah. we've brought that to a audio format for them. So you don't even need to read. You don't have to use your eyes, just your ears. And that's a passive sense anyway. I suppose so is is seeing, but reading isn't. Reading is very active. So can we just start with what we remember about the game? I think my memories are a lot more fresh than yours because I've played this game extensively. I've beat the game many times. I've got the the bandana and I've had the active camo that you get for completing the game in different ways. I recently, as you remember, as you'll know, Michael, I went on a mission to play all the Metal Gear games again, and I played one, I played two, I bought the Legendary Edition for my PS3 to play three and four, and I've got four for the PS4, and I played five, and it went on PS Gold or PS PS Live, yeah. PSN Gold, what do you call it? PS PlayStation Network, isn't it? Yeah, oh, no. but what's the service called when you buy the... Oh, um... Plus... Plus PlayStation yeah, I Plus. Yeah, I played on PlayStation Plus. I can give a bit more history as well. I kind of wish that they would do a remaster of this game, but we've come back to it now. There's been rumours on Twitter. I mean, it did get a remaster. 
It did get one as the twin snakes on GameCube, but the acting was apparently not really good. Yeah, but it could do a, a, a kind of a proper remaster and put it into like a box set, not a box set, you know what I mean? Like a collector's edition or something. Or how would you feel about a, like a Resident Evil style complete remake? As long as they got it right. Um, but the problem is Haido Kojima is gone from Konami, so... He has, but uh, it's still a Konami property, right? IP, and intellectual property. Yeah, but if it was a complete remake, who's going to be in charge of the remake? And, you know, uh, that was that's what I would worry about. Yeah, that's true. Get Capcom on board who oversaw Resident Evil, right? And make them that sort of style. Might, be, might work, might not. Um, just a little bit more, though. I actually had this game on Japanese import. I was I remember reading the magazines... Going back to, what, about 94, probably, when I saw magazines, 95? When did it come out in UK? Was it 98? 98 come out in the UK. 1998, yeah. And I think it must have been out in Japan a little bit earlier, 97. And I remember seeing it in magazines probably late 96, early 97, and I thought it looked like the best game ever. So I actually got this on import, and I got stuck because everything was in Japanese, pretty much. All the text and all the all the voice acting was in japanese and of course there's a couple of puzzles that break the fourth wall and i had no idea and i just i got stuck so far in and then it wasn't too much longer when i got the english version and then i realized where i got stuck what's your history with it i remember getting it i borrowed it off a friend at school he had it and i was like oh can i he had finished it and i was like oh can i borrow that i remember it being two discs that was um strange for a playstation game because obviously it's so big you needed two discs yeah, I thought it was great. Uh, yeah, getting stuck. No, it's it's harder now to come back to it a bit. The controls are, particularly for this one. Also, it's the Japanese-style controls. Yeah. So the action button is circle. Mm-hmm. Aiming and stuff, it's taking, it's taking me a little bit to get my head around the controls and whatnot. But yeah, you know, I mean, it's a good game. Yeah. From my memory, the music and the voice acting, especially the voice acting, is particularly fantastic. It's, yeah. it's just as good as you get in any game today. You know, it's not akin to something like um, Resident Evil, where the voice acting was pretty poor. But you're saying the controls, like the Japanese controls, because because Japanese, they use circle, don't they? It's like yeah. good. They use X as bad. If you play something like Point Blank, you'll know that yeah, you've got to yeah. shoot the circles, not the Xs. The other thing about this as well is I liked the earlier Metal Gears. I think by the end it went a little bit after... Re- I mean... It's Haido Kojima, but it went a little bit weird. <laughs> I mean, it did go weird. We're not going to give any spoilers at all. No, 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 stuff. No. But we might cover it. It's it would be a big ask, wasn't it, to, to try and cover all this in one go, like all the games one for another. So maybe as we further down the line, but yeah, it is interesting as well. Though a lot of things hurt, even to, even at the start of this this one, Metal Gear Solid. There's stuff touched upon that relates to the to later games. Yeah. So kind. Kind of like what um, George Lucas did in Star Wars, right? There was one line in Star Wars where the first time Luke Skywalker and Kenobi go back to his house and he says, oh, I had one of these in the Clone Wars. That one line. I mean, that spawned the entire Clone Wars cartoon. And then, of course, you had the Clone Wars prequels and everything. So it was quite ridiculous how, how all these things get put together, really. Is that canon anymore, though? The Clone Wars cartoon of Star Wars. I think that was taken out of being canon when Disney took over. It might have been um, taken out, but you have, like, Revenge of the... Not Revenge of the Clone yeah, You yeah, have the yeah. Clone Wars films, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's pretty cool. But, yeah, like you say, the, the stuff that gets mentioned that you don't see for, like, 22, 23 years in actual games, which is crazy. I didn't realise as well. I mean, we'll talk about it in a moment. The disc game was set in 2007. Yeah. 
Yeah. The timeline is 2007. I didn't know that. I I only realized that now going back, playing it again, mm-hmm. um, that it wasn't set in 1997. It was set 10 years later. Yeah. Well, that's it because Metal Gear 2 was set in 99 and Metal Gear 1 was set in 95. Yeah. So that's pretty cool, actually. Um, so like last season, what's different with this kind of Vagrant story is the fact that there's voice acting. As we said, there's voice acting. It's very good voice acting. However, I can't see the point in just playing the voices for the conversations because if I'm going to do that, I may as well just you know play the game and we'll talk over it as we play. So I think what we'll do is we'll just stick to us doing the narration and talking about the conversations, condensing them conversations down because they're quite large. So we can easily condense a full conversation between two characters down to maybe four or five lines. Yeah. However, I will be putting in some sound clips, of course, of course. You know, just the things to keep us smiling. I think we should put in some sound clips and we should put in some inspirational quotes as well. (laughs) We can try. Well, we could do our best mailing impression. (laughs) (laughs) On the death screen, which I haven't heard yet. And to be honest, I'm playing the game on normal. I didn't want to go on easy because I thought that might be too easy for me. But, you know, I really... I do just want to get the story to write about it. However, I went on the easy because I think hard to have a, the soldiers have a massive field of vision. Oh yeah, but I'm just sticking with normal just so I can kind of enjoy it a bit um, as I write about it. Yeah, I got to death screen a couple of times. Did you? Right. It's still quite a hard game. Actually, no, I did. I think I hit it once. I think I lied. Well, I, I think I, hit it I once did it when I got to the first boss. Because I, I exploded the room. You'll know what I mean. When yeah. We later on. When we get there, which to be honest, I don't think we're going to get there tonight. I think tonight is all introduction and history, purely because the game throws that much law and history and information at you. What? Well, well, we were saying before though. I think a lot of people might actually miss out on this part of the the game. They just go straight into the gameplay and they miss an awful lot of the. The background. Especially if you play this when you're younger. It's easy, yeah. much easier when you're younger because you just desperately get into the game, right? I think I probably missed this first time round. At least the first time I played the game. Uh, maybe, I, like I said, I've beat it many, many times. So I probably stumbled on it. I did have a memory of uh, like an image in my head of something. So I didn't know it was there, kind of, but I couldn't remember there was that much information. Yeah, I think I remember it now. The same image for me, I remember that now. Right, okay, so... Just like last time, put the games in the PlayStation and we start up. We're presented with that Konami screen, yeah, which I has that the music, yeah, that that iconic music which I think I played last season. Um, well, you can't, you never get sick of that music, right? No. And it's kind, it's very, very cinematic as Metal Gear. So we are instantly brought to the opening cutscene of the game. It comes up. Konami presents a Hideo Kojima game, Alaska Bering Sea. We see a submarine in the water coming towards the camera and it has a wave-like effect up and down the screen to show that we're underwater. As the submarine passes, it makes a whooshing sound with a Doppler effect, which, to be honest, I didn't like because the whooshing sound come from the front of the submarine, not really the back. You'd expect maybe more of a sound to come from the back where the propellers are. I don't know how submarines work. I know how submarines work, but I don't. I've never heard of submarine. I've never heard a submarine, but I would expect if it went past you, you'd probably hear a rumble of water from the front and maybe a louder sound at the back. And I don't imagine it makes a whoosh, but it, it's 1998, it's 1998, 7, 8, 
What did we say? Yeah. It's fine. It's, it's PS1. It's fine. You know, it's not like it's not like that breaks the game or anything, is it? People now listening in will, will correct us next week when they say that's actually how submarines, that's the nice they make. Yeah. Maybe they will. Maybe they will. <laughs> Although we've still had no feedback yet, but that's fine. Uh, is there anyone out there? <laughs> I hope so. The camera then moves internal to the submarine, showing people working. A voice starts to give us some background information. It tells us that a unit of next generation special forces, Foxhound, has captured a nuclear weapons disposal facility on the Fox Archipelago of Islands, just off Canada. Want the remains of Big Boss within 24 hours or they'll launch a nuke. We then see a diver who was named by our on-screen text as Solid Snake, in brackets, David Hater, who voices him. However, I didn't know this meant the first time on the credits. I didn't realise this meant who voiced the person. I was like, oh... What, what, what does that mean? Is this the name of the character? Because he had his uh, solid snake and then David Hater. I thought, oh, is the character's name David Hater? But no, obviously it's not. It's uh, the voices. Continuing to talk to someone, the voice says that they have two objectives. The first being to rescue the DARPA chief, Donald Anderson, and the president of Armstech, Kenneth Baker, who are being held as hostages. The second objective Snake needs to investigate if the terrorists can make good on their threat of the nukes, and if they can, he needs to stop them. Snake then asks how he is to penetrate the facility. He is told that they will approach the facility by sub and then launch a swimmer delivery vehicle, or SDV. This will get him close, but he'll have to swim after disposing of it. We then see inside the SDV and the lights turn red. He braces and the vehicle is shot from a torpedo tube. A briefing from the voice says, this is the colonel and he's talking about the foxhound unit. He states that this is the unit Snake was part of and the one he was a commander of. There are currently six members. Psycho Mantis, who has psychic abilities. Sniper Wolf, a beautiful and deadly sharpshooter. Why, why do they need to state that she's beautiful? Why can't she just be a deadly sharpshooter? Because I think in if in this game there's a little bit of I think sexism. <laughs> yeah, I think um, there's a bit of sexism as well. Yeah, and you know I think yeah I think they know their audience as well that you know this is young boys playing this game back in the day. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Decoy octopus, who is a master of disguise. Vulcan raven, a giant and shaman. Revolver ocelot a master of interrogation and a formidable gunfighter. And finally the boss, Liquid Snake. We then see Solid Snake ditch the SDV and swim for the surface. A couple of points of the mission are then clarified between Snake and the Colonel. It's a one-man mission and weapons or on-site procurement. OSP. And finally, the mission is listed as a top-secret black op. We then hit the menu and the music introduction plays in the background. start and we get the main screen and we're given a few different selections here new game options vr missions briefing and special so where do you want to start do you want to start with the special yeah i can go to special sure so we go to special and this gives us a history of previous operations two previous operations metal gear and metal gear 2 solid snake the ones that michael previously played but we can condense down into a few lines each so the first previous operation metal gear 
The year is 1995, deep in South Africa, 200 kilometers off Garsberg. Outer heaven, it's called an armed fortress nation established by a legendary mercenary. Western nations have found out they have a nuclear weapon developed at outer heaven. The high-tech special force unit Foxhound has been tasked to take care of it. Big Boss, the commander-in-chief of Foxhound, sends in Grey Fox, the codename Fox being given to their best member of the unit. Grey Fox goes missing and his last message was Metal Gear... Big Boss then selects Solid Snake, the new rookie recruit, to go in and find out what's happening. Snake gets into outer heaven and gets in contact with local resistance Schneider, Diane and Jennifer and they help Snake rescue Grey Fox. Grey Fox then tells Snake that Metal Gear is the development name of a nuclear warhead equipped two-legged walking tank. This Metal Gear can reach places normal tanks can't. It can conduct local warfare and nuclear warfare against any place from anywhere. Dr. Petrovich was taken hostage with his daughter Ellen. Using her as leverage, they force him to develop the new weapon. The Doctor then tells Snake how to destroy Metal Gear. Meanwhile, the leader of the Resistance, Schneider, is captured. Snake makes his way to the 100th floor basement and manages to defeat Metal Gear. 100th floor basement? How big is this place? Very big. That is huge, isn't it? I mean, 100th floor. I mean, if you think a floor, I don't know, called two and a half metres, like by the time you put in concrete for the ceiling and floor... And then, then the height of the room, two and a half metres, so it's like 250 metres down. That's a big, big basement, right? Yeah. After Snake defeats Metal Gear, he's confronted by Big Boss at Outer Heaven. Big Boss actually is built Outer Heaven and sent in Snake, thinking that he would fail and not be able to get this far being a rookie. Big Boss then sets off the countdown for the self-destruction to the base and the two men fight. Outer Heaven then burns, and Snake leaves the facility alone. So does that go? Does that coincide with your memories of uh, the original Metal Gear? Yeah, basically there's this bad place, Outer Heaven. Um, you're sent in to find this Grey Fox guy, and then it turns out, surprise, surprise, the big boss is the bad guy. You fight him, and it blows up, and then you leave, basically. Okay. Looks like and Metal Gear 2 is a little bit more involved, I'd say. Story-wise. Yeah. Okay, so the next one. Nineteen ninety-nine, four years afterwards. The world is in chaos due to rising energy prices and a falling supply. An invention by Dr. Kiyomarv called Oilix has given the world hope to solve the crisis. The Doctor is abducted and investigations are undertaken by Western nations to try and find him. The name Zanzibar Land appears on the reports. Zanzibar Land was a democratic military regime that suddenly appeared in Central Asia in 1997, which is made of mercenaries who fortified their lands. There was then a battle at Zanzibar Land and they declared independence. Information said that Zanzibar Land had nuclear weapons. With these weapons in their possession and oilix, they attempted to become a military and economic superpower. The USA ordered Roy Campbell, the new commander-in-chief of Foxhound, to rescue the Doctor. For this mission, Roy brings back Solid Snake for the rescue. Snake manages to infiltrate Zanzibar land with the help of CIA agent Horry and some others. 
Snake manages to meet once again with Dr. Petrovich, who was also abducted and forced to work on another Metal Gear. Additionally, Petrovich tells Snake that Big Boss is alive and is the commander of Zanzibar Land. With the help of Natasha, Dr. Marv's guard, they manage to escape. However, when crossing a narrow bridge, the missile blows it up and Snake can't save Natasha. But then he hears a familiar voice telling him to leave. The man was Grey Fox. Snake refuses to give up and pushes on to look for Dr. Marv. Arriving too late, Snake finds the doctor's body dead while Petrovich is standing over the body, unable to help. Petrovich tells Snake that Dr. Marv's heart couldn't take the torture. Snake then gets an emergency phone call, again from the CIA agent Hori. Hori says that Petrovich was actually volunteering to visit Zandbarland to develop the new Metal Gear and the abduction of Dr. Marv was Petrovich's idea. Petrovich attacks Snakes, but he's no good against the now experienced agent. Whilst escaping, Snake is confronted by Grey Fox, who is controlling the new Metal Gear. A battle ensures and the new Metal Gear is destroyed. Snake and Fox put down their weapons and face off. They battle each other in hand-to-hand -hand combat. Snake defeats Grey and then moves on to find to put a stop to Big Boss. Big Boss is waiting for Snake and the men fight. Ultimately, Snake is the winner. However, he is unsettled by the last words of the Big Boss to him. Whoever wins, our battle does not end. The loser is freed from the battlefield, but the winner must remain there and the survivor must live his life as a warrior until he dies. Snake then disappears into the wild lands of Alaska alone. So again, does that ring true for you? Yeah. I didn't know. I was always confused about the idea of Zanzibar land because I there is a place called Zanzibar in Africa. Yeah. So having this Central Asian and there's country, a, there's a song called Zanzibar as well. I think. Is there? Yeah, I, I believe so. I believe it might have been in Dance Dance Revolution. I'm showing my nerdy side there. Okay. Well, I know Zanzibar is an island off the coast of Tanzania, so I don't know. Billy Joel's got a, san a song called Zanzibar. Cool. It's all connected. All connected. <laughs> the Phantom Pain. Ashley Riot. Kalomalos. Well, again, it's all of it's all of these like single guys or these you know one man armies going off to save the world, <laughs> like yeah. Rambo uh, and yeah, pretty much Rambo or or what's his name, oh, Die Hard guy. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, John McClane. John McClane. Yeah, one guy stopping all of these bad guys. Yeah, Yippee Kaye, mother fathers. I don't know. It's yeah. I mean, the grave, the idea of Gray Fox. You know, he went to save him in the first one, and now Gray Fox is bad. My big boss was good, but he's bad. All of this kind of double crossing, people showing up again. Yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a theme that goes throughout this whole it, series. It goes well, throughout so, every so. single game. So try and remember some yeah. of those names if you've never played before. And if you haven't played before, you're missing out on a classic. And I really suggest that from next week you play along with us. Yeah, because listening to those, you know, looking at what happened in those previous games, it gives a lot of background to characters and stuff. Some of them are just, you'll never really hear of them again, or, you know, they're very minor characters, but some of them are, you know, important people that, that pop up again and again. Yeah. Or do they? <laughs> <laughs> right, so we get back to the menu, and we'll go into the briefing screen now. And the briefing screen gives us a lot of background information. So this briefing menu, what it is, it's like a, 
it's a series of videotapes really that you can partially interact with that gives you just some background on the mission on the game on the history but a lot of it's put into the uh, intro isn't it a lot of what i read in the intro you actually hear again with some extra yeah i mean there's a lot more in this than the intro so it you know it fleshes it out a lot more and i think it I think it, it's you need to play the briefing. Well, you don't need to play it, but it explains a lot of what's going on and also explains a lot of what goes on later on and, and as you get towards the end of the game and then as well going into the next games in this series. I think a lot of what's explained here sets the scene for everything that happens in the Metal Gear series, to be honest with you. And, and I think it's worthwhile listening to this or to playing the briefing. Yeah. Well, some of the videos actually allow you to interact. Did you notice that? interact in what way so you sometimes it'll say camera free and that allows you to control the camera the x the y and the z so move the camera up down left right mm. or zoom in and out okay and sometimes you can change the camera between three different angles and some videos allow you to do both it's not super interactive by any means you don't need to interact with it you don't lose anything or gain anything by interacting and not interacting with it so i wouldn't worry if you didn't do it i wouldn't go back to do it it's really not worth it yeah, no, I I didn't notice it. I I think now that you say it, I remember it from when it was when I played it first. But this time I didn't. I just watched the videos. Uh, when you select the briefing menu, you're actually given the first tape automatically. Which, when you look at the time indexes, when you go down the list, they're not in order. There is an order you could watch them in, but it doesn't tell you the order. You would have to write down all the time indexes mm-hmm. and figure it out, and that's really not worth it because you don't lose anything by watching them in or out of order. To be honest, each one's kind of no. standalone in a way. So like I said, the first tape loads automatically. The visuals are monochrome, kind of whites, browns, blacks on there, greys. Yeah. And we're looking at a naked man sat on a bench, but it's very safe for work. You can't see anything apart from his body being totally ripped. Why is he Why is he naked? It looks like he's in an interrogation room, to be honest. Well, I'm not sure why he's naked. There's a noticeable hum from the air conditioning, and we hear a door open and someone walks into the room. The man who just walked into the room speaks. It's Roy Campbell. It's been a long time, Snake. He addresses the man on the bench as Solid Snake. What's the first thing you notice about Solid Snake at this point? Apart from being naked. He's got long blonde hair. Long blonde hair. Now, did you look any of this up, the long blonde hair? How do you mean look it up? Just on the internet. Did you have a look for anything to see what what was going on? Because I did. And Uh, it's... Well, I... Okay. Well, well, I know why he's got long blonde hair. Yeah, but we know kind of why he's got long blonde hair. Um, but let's not, we'll not give any spoilers away. Well, we'll, we'll find this out anyway when the briefing. But some people say that you shouldn't have long blonde hair, that you should have dark hair, and that this is just a mistake. But I'm not too sure myself. I will just mention it anyway. He's got blonde hair. The two men then exchange pleasantries, in quotations. And Snake scolds Campbell for sending armed soldiers after him. Roy walks past the camera and his footsteps sound like they are walking on a metal floor. Which, it does sound like a prison cell now, doesn't it? Or an interrogation room. Campbell tells Snake that there's a serious situation and only he can handle it. Snake tells the colonel that he's retired and he doesn't take orders anymore. Not from him or from the military. Roy tells him that he knows he will take these particular orders. A female voice interjects and says, excuse me. Snake asks who that is, and Campbell introduces her as Dr. Naomi Hunter, chief of the medical staff at Foxhound and an expert in gene therapy. 
Snake asks if she's military, but she's not. She's civilian and has been sent in from ATGC. What does ATGC stand for? It's four types of nuclear base. They use an awful lot of abbreviations in this stuff. I know, hell of a lot on there. Yeah, but some of them are worth explaining, but I yeah. suppose that's not. Some, yeah, and some of them do get explained, but yeah. Um, the camera then switches, and the Doctor gives Snake an injection. He asks what it's for, but the Doctor ignores that and makes fun of Snake. Campbell then proceeds to tell Snake about the briefing, that five hours ago, armed soldiers occupied Shadow Moses Island, a remote island off the coast of Alaska. Campbell describes the group as next-generation special forces led by members of Foxhound. He continues saying that they have presented a single demand which goes unmet, they are launching nuke. We then go on to learn that the site is a secret nuclear weapons disposal facility. We'll get the same objectives again, rescue the chief of DARPA, Donald Anderson, and the arms tech boss, Kenneth Baker, and secondly, see if they can make a nuclear strike and stop them if possible. He then asks Snake if he has any questions, but Snake protests, saying that he hasn't even accepted the mission. Campbell finishes this with that Snake can make up his mind after he hears more about the situation. Even though he's been given the shot, so it's like he has yeah. he has the shot of stuff for the mission. He's like, I'm, I'm not actually taking the mission, thanks very much. He just does what he's told. Yeah, the, um, the video then ends, and we'll go back to a briefing file menu. And there's loads of information here. So the first option, which is now greyed out, is mission description. Presumably that's one we just saw. And the next ones are operation outline, option member, and detailed information. But as you go through, you're given more submenus that are unlocked as more information is given. Like I said, they're not in order on the screen. And you could probably figure the timelines out because there's like a, a timestamp on each one. But you just go down in order, really. So if we go out to operation outline... Snake says that he doesn't work for the government anymore and wants to go back to Twin Lakes. Campbell asks him if his life is really all that good in Alaska. Snake tells him that he has a dog race coming up, which is identified as the Editorod. Have you got any information on the Editorod? No, no, no clue. So the no. No, it's, <laughs> am I going to be the facts guy this this season? No, no. Well, it's a it's a big long race across Alaska, but you have a team of dogs. I'm going to hit you with some with some Iditarod facts. So it starts off in Anchorage and goes to Nome. It's entirely within the U.S. state of Alaska, and it's a mushers and a team of fourteen dogs, five of which must be on the tour line as well as the finish line. And What's the tall line? The tall line, I'm assuming, is the starting line. And it happens over a span between 8 and 15 days. The total distance is 938 miles. The course record for this was set by Mitch Seavey in 2017, who did it in 8 days, 3 hours, 40 minutes and 13 seconds. And this happens in March. So how's that for some facts? Yeah. You, I'm going to change your name to Google. <laughs> Campbell asks Snakes when he become a dog musher, but Snake tells him his 50 huskies are his only family. Campbell tells Snake not to worry about his dogs and that the vessel is headed for the Bering Sea and tells Snake there's no room to debate. Again, Snake argues back that he doesn't owe any favours, but Campbell tells him he will accept the assignment. 
Snake asks why he should. The response is that there's enough dirt in his file from Black Ops to keep Snake locked up until he is a very old man. Snake defines this as blackmail, but Campbell disagrees. He says Snake is a natural-born soldier, and he would accept the assignment anyway, as he's not the type to grow old gracefully. Campbell continues to say he knows the feeling of being helpless every day, and he's trying to give Snake back purpose to his life. We move on to the infiltration method, and this is just a repeat of some information from the intro. Snake wants to know about the facility, and he's told that it covers the whole island, but this time that it has a hardened underground base. And even with their best surveillance equipment, they cannot see what's happening inside. Snake asks about the infiltration method, and he's told they'll approach by sub, much to his surprise. Campbell informs him that the facility is sonar, and it would detect if the sub went in closer than a few miles away. So when they get to the edge of its sonar range, a one-man SDV will be launched. Snake is shocked by the usage of the word launch, and Campbell tells him it's the same as a torpedo, as the SDV has no propulsion of its own. And I've got a few issues with that. What are your issues? So SDVs can have propulsion of their own. I guess he doesn't outright say that they don't. He just says this one doesn't. But like an SDV is uh, flooded. So you you put it in the water. It gets water submerged in it, fully flooded with water. And there's normally an onboard air tank or the diver has the uses their air tank. But there's actually a motor powered by batteries and they have a range of about 15 to 18 nautical miles. However, you know, not to say there's not, but like if he's seen he's a few miles out and it doesn't have any propulsion, I, I find it hard to believe that they can fire this out of a torpedo tube to do three or four nautical miles. No way. They'd have to probably launch the thing at 700 miles per hour or more. There's too much resistance with water, surely. Uh, I don't know. Oh, I mean... I'd say so. If you oh. fire a, I mean, you've probably seen a Mythbusters and stuff. If you fire a bullet into water, or you've seen in films when they fire bullets into water, they travel two, three feet, and then they stop. Yeah, that's a bullet. Yeah, but if, you, yeah, but if you have a torpedo and you fire it, that can go far. I think they, I think fine. they've got propulsion. I don't know. I'm pretty sure a torpedo has propulsion. It must do, because I'm sure they can lock lock onto targets and they can change course. It's got a propeller on it. Got a propeller on it, yeah. Fair enough. However, once Snake gets close enough, he has to abandon the SDV and swim. Snake questions the fact he has to swim at sub-zero water, which I had problems with because could water be sub-zero? Can it be below zero? And it can. It's in the Bering Sea as well, though, which is a bit far-fetched because I think that's one of the most inhospitable places in the world from from a sea perspective to straight between... Alaska and Russia. So for somebody to be some nice. Plus the water salt water, I guess, which can go lower temperatures, right? Yeah, but he's got all of his special suit and he's got his, his shot and stuff. So yeah. he's grand. He's grand. Campbell then reassures him that his suit represents the latest in thermal technology. They then talk about the, solo, the mission being solo again and that equipment is OSP. And they finish with the same line, a top secret black op with no official support. We move on to the next one. In the time under infiltration method, a new option opens up called time limit. It's a very small conversation. Seems a 24-hour countdown. And Snake asks what the target is, but none has been given. Snake asks when the countdown started, and it's told five hours ago, which means there's 19 hours left. Fortunately, it doesn't take 19 hours to finish the game. I wonder if you let the in-game counter get past 19 hours, if it's like a secret 
secret ending with a launch and nuke. That'd be cool. Maybe. I'll have to try. Just leave it run for 19 hours. Right, yeah. <laughs> Just overnight, go to bed. Go work, come back, see if there's a secret, secret thing. I might try it. Probably won't be, though. We move on to operation member, person in charge of the operation. The camera's actually free on the X, Y, and Z if you want to control this one. Snake is sat on the bench smoking. He asks Campbell who he represents. Campbell says the US government and the president is in charge of the operation. Snake speculates that the Portis and his aides will be meeting inside the map room. Campbell corrects him and says no, they are still video conferencing each other. Snake then asks if the nuke is real, shouldn't a continuity of government, a COG, be issued? I was just going to say they, they call it a COG, they don't, talk, they don't say it's a continuity of government. Again, it's one of those abbreviations that they don't explain. The response is no, but if the terrorists have a nuke, one will be issued. Snake says if the president and his team have not yet taken to the nuclear bunker in Washington, that they shouldn't worry right now. He goes on to ask if the NSA, the National Security Agency, are away. Campbell tells him yes, as is the Defense Intelligence Agency, DIA, who will also be sending in support. Snake tells him that they don't need desk jockeys and that they need a nuclear weapons specialist. Campbell agrees and says one has been assigned. So now we get some background information under Operation Member, Person in Charge of the Operation, Support Crew. This continues the previous conversation where Snake states that they need a specialist and that he is just an amateur when it comes to nuclear weapons. Campbell tells Snake that this is why he's requested the assistance of Nastasha Romanenko, which is funny because I mentioned in season one that my partner speaks Russian and I speak some Russian, I read Russian. Um, and when you look at this in Russian, in Cyrillic, it is just spelled Natasha Romanenko. Why calls her Nastasha? And I actually asked my partner, have you heard of the name Nastasha? And she was like, no. Unless she's just never heard of the name, right? I'm sure there's probably English names never heard of. There's certainly Irish names never heard of. Like a small story, when me and you went to Ireland one time, and you, you have a friend called Aoife, and I'd never heard of the name Aoife before, so... You've never heard of the name Aoife? I hadn't at that point. Okay. I heard of other Irish names. Siobhan's Irish, right? Siobhan is Irish. Yeah. Eve is Irish. Lots yeah. of Irish names. But I mean... Michael Nas- is Irish. No, <laughs> I think Michael is Hebrew. Nastasha, I don't know. I've never heard of Nastasha before, to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, the colonel then puts her on screen and, you know, she's got a cigarette hanging out of her mouth and it gives a bit of background information. She's Ukrainian in her 30s who grew up around Pripyat after the fallout from Chernobyl. She moved to the US and joined the DIA in 1992. In 1995, she left the agency to go freelance. Campbell tells Snake she's based in California and is providing backup via codec. Now here's where the um, the sexism comes in again, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, he's like a female analyst, great, like that, yeah. Yeah, he questions the fact she's a female analyst, but Campbell shuts him down, saying that she's an expert in nukes and high-tech weapons. We now move on to the next video, Operation Member Roy Campbell. Snake asks the Colonel why he's involved if he's retired. His reply is that nobody knows Foxhound like him. Snake sees through the lies and digs deeper, and asks the reason why the Colonel is there. The Colonel tells him he's been soldiering for a long time and he doesn't know anything else. Snake calls him out, and the Colonel reveals the truth. 
He apologizes and says that his niece Meryl is being held hostage. The next video continues the previous conversation and Snake asks why his niece was there. Campbell tells him that soldiers were reported missing on the day of the revolt and she was sent in as a replacement. Campbell brings her profile on the screen and Snake makes a comment how they look alike. However, since the Colonel's brother died in the Gulf War, he's been watching over her. Snake tells him that personal motive is not very soldier-like. Campbell replies, says he's an old man and that he's Snake's friend and he's thought of him as a friend since the Zanzibar incident, which would be, what, 12 years ago? You said this was 2007? Yeah. This is 2007 and Zanzibar was 2000 and... No, ni- 99. It was yeah, 99, 99, so it was eight years ago, which is not as long as me and you've been friends. No. Campbell then begs Snake to save Merrill. And then Snake agrees, but he has two conditions. The first being that there's no more secrets between them. And the second one is that he'll only accept orders from Campbell. The colonel agrees, but reminds Snake he's not a colonel anymore. Snake says, I understand, colonel. On to now, the operation member of Dr. Naomi. Snake asks about the doctor. The colonel says that she's in charge of Foxhound's gene therapy and she knows more about the men than anyone else. Snake then asks if she's seen them naked. What? What? What What relevance has this got? I don't know what... I think he's just being... Um, facetious? Facetious, yeah. I, like yeah. that she's just a glorified nurse or something. Yeah. But, well, she tells... She then says to him, she's not a nurse, she's a scientist. Snake steers the conversation towards the injection that he received previously. The doctor tells him that he has nanomachines. Nanomachines, son! And there's an anti-freezing peptide inside. So basically, she's treating him like a car, isn't she? Yeah. She says that the nanomachines will give him energy and increase his brain function. Plus, there's something in there to keep him alert. The freezing peptide will stop his blood and other bodily fluids from freezing. And finally, the nanomachines will keep his codec charged up. There's a couple of things that she talks about. Nootropics, which is, I think they're colloquially called smart drugs or cognitive enhancers. So they're kind of things to basically supposedly improve your cognitive function. I think uh, some students and whatnot take them before exams to try and make them, you know, to improve their performance. And then the other one that she talks about is um, benzodrine, which is used in the treatment of, it's an amphetamine, it's used for ADHD, attention deficit hyperactive disorder, I think that's what it stands for. Yeah. So obviously for focus and whatnot, so it makes sense that these drugs that she says will improve your or make you smarter and improve your focus they are used in practical terms for just well, Bart that. Simpson got some didn't he yeah right, rat, rattling riddling or something Ritalin. I don't know is Ritalin is Ritalin ty- a type of um, amphetamine maybe yeah I don't know but yeah Benzedrine is the drug that she refers to I think that's a, it's the brand name for a, a, an amphetamine don't take drugs, kids. They're bad. Stay in school. Don't take drugs. Unless you need to take drugs or medication, then you should take them. And smoking. S- snake is smoking. That's bad for you, too. Yeah, snake smokes. That, that's bad for you. Don't, don't smoke. Don't do drugs. Don't do alcohol. Next, we move on to a video about the hostages. Snake asks why the leader of arms tech and the DARPA chief are there. He's told that secret exercises were happening. Snake speculates, was there a new type of weapon being tested? But the colonel tells him he's not privy to that information. Do you know what DARPA stands for? Ooh, um, Defense and Research Progenitive Associates? No, it's the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. DARPA is a real organization. Well, it is a real organization. They effectively advanced uh, defense um, 
defense research. So obviously it makes sense that he's there. Who's the chief? Don Landerson. It's right now, it's, as of March 2021, it's Stephanie Tompkins. Oh, I tried to mention this. Don Landerson is no. the DARPA chief in this game. What? Who's, who's the chief now? Stephanie Tompkins. A female chief? <laughs> A female chief? What? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't remember it Snake being such a dick. <laughs> so sexist, isn't he? Yeah. Snake asks about the hostage location, and the doctor says that the DARPA chief has also been injected with nanomachines, son, and that he should appear on the radar. The next video is detailed information, nuclear weapons. This is camera-free and camera-change, so you can change the camera between A, B, and C. And you can also move the camera around, which is, like I say, it's not super interactive, but it's something. Snake asks if they have the ability to launch a nuclear weapon. Campbell replies to him that the terrorists said yes, and they also provided serial numbers of the missiles, which have been confirmed as genuine. Snake asks, shouldn't there be a safety device to prevent the use of them called a PAL, a permissive action link? And this is a code. So, that, you know, you know, when they talk about the president having the new codes? Yeah. I believe that's the PAL. The nuclear football. Yeah, the nuclear football. I believe that's a pal. Um, so without the codes, you can't arm the nukes. Campbell says that they don't know the code, but they can't rest easy as the DARPA chief knows the detonation code. Snake talks about how the missiles and the facilities should be dismantled. But Campbell says that that used to be true, but now with money and connections, you can get hold of anything. We move on to terrorist armament, where Snake asks how well armed the terrorists are. The response is that they are very well armed. Then the experience of the men is then questioned. Campbell tells Snake, to his, to his lack of surprise from Foxhell members, are battled hardened criminals, and the next generation special forces are not average grunts. We move towards terrorist demands, and I think we touched on these before, didn't we? No. They kind of did. They just said they made demands, but they didn't explain them, didn't they? Yeah. So we move further on the next video into the terrorist demands, where Snake asks what they are. Campbell tells him that the terrorists want cell specimens. They then have a conversation about mapping the human genome and creating super soldiers with superior battle traits, replacing genes on people who get recessive genes for battle abilities. Which is really weird, right? Because when you think about changing genes, doing like gene therapy and whatnot, isn't that done in the womb, in the cells in the womb? Um... No, I think you can have gene therapy. I don't know about inserting genes into people. I think you need to do that before someone's born. Yeah. I think you can do... I think gene therapy is something that you can do on normal people. Not normal people. Adults. Mm -hmm. Or grown-up people. But I think mm -hmm. what they're talking about here it seems to make sense only if you're doing it before somebody is actually born. So do I. But, uh, you know, this was the future, right? This was, this was 12 years in the future. We don't know what's going to happen 12 years from now, so let's see. Yeah, no, gene therapy is used in things, I think they're talking about things like cancer treatments and whatnot. Gene therapy, it says it's the introduction of normal genes into cells in place of missing or defective ones in order to correct genetic disorders. So, I don't think what they're talking about makes sense in the context of gene therapy. Mm -hmm. um, I think what they're doing is, what they're talking about more is, um, I can like designer babies. Or design, yeah. yeah. So you're you build know, a you, baby, yeah. Build a baby or build a soldier, yeah. But you can't put it into an existing soldier and then expect him to be great. No, which is what they're kind of trying to say is happening, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, 
We move on to the next video, which is about generic strengthening. Snake questions one of the greatest soldiers ever, and Naomi tells him the greatest soldier of the 20th century. Snake comes to the realisation that they mean big boss. Naomi tells Snake that they've been mapping his genome and have identified 60 genes responsible for his battle skills. Even though Big Boss was burned, they managed to get this sequence from a single strand of hair. Using a technique developed by Dr. Naomi called gene targeting, they can replace genes to make the soldiers better without needing battle experience. Because of this, the terrorists now call themselves the Sons of Big Boss. The more you read it, the less it makes sense now, isn't it? Yeah, again, it's kind of like Captain America's super serum, right? You go into a vat, you get your gene therapy, you come out a super soldier, just like he went into a vat, got some drugs, come out a super soldier. Magic. Magic. Black magic, voodoo. But when you're a kid, you're not thinking about it. in this, you know, you're not a don of as critical an eye when you're playing a game when you're 12 or 13. And I don't think I have as critical as an eye when I'm playing the game just for fun, to be honest. Yeah. Snake wants to know now about the next generational special forces in the next video. The colonel tells him they're made of several units and didn't start as a regular army. They were part of Big Boss's private guard after Big Boss went down. The military bought out their contracts. He then says they were all trained in VR conditions. Snake makes fun of them, breaking the fourth wall, and called them yeah. video game players. Yeah, so he's having a go at you, yeah, for basically, oh, you think you're an actual soldier because you can play video game. <laughs> Which is like, um, it's a it's a real, and we'll see lots of lots of fourth wall breaking stuff in this game. You know, there'll be another three or four or five references as we go. But as you play other Kojima games, then they also break the fourth wall, especially Metal Gear games. The Doctor reminds Snake that they've all been strengthened with gene therapy. And Snake says, isn't using genetically modified people prohibited by law? The Doctor says yes, but they are not actual threats. And then we move on. They, they make a comment as well in this. They say, or she says, they all have IQs of over 180 or something like that. Which, if yeah. you play the game, they don't. <laughs> they, yeah, the fact that they can, you know, I think exceptionally gifted is 180 and up. Or profoundly gifted or something like that. But some of these guys, the soldiers in the game, they're, they're gifted all right. But they're not. They're, yeah. <laughs> It, it's, so, it's 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 laughable. And the, yeah. the thing is that that's where that's where the IQ stops one eighty and up. I, I think Einstein, they said it was somewhere between one sixty and one eighty. So these guys are better than Einstein in genius terms. They're just terrible. I mean, you know, some of the stuff. And later on, you know, not to ruin the game or spoiler alert, but they're fooled by a guy hiding in a cardboard box. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There you go. Uh, maybe if you put the game on hard, maybe then their IQ kicks in. I think it must be it must be an in joke as well in the game. Um, yeah, I, it's it's got to be. So we're on to the last couple of videos now. Next one is the reason for unanimous approval. This is just talking about how there's an uprising, and if was there a sign of anything was wrong, and there's been reports that about a month ago that soldier started acting a bit strangely. Um, they consulted classified information about the soldier genes and that they performed their own gene therapy experiments. And Snake is surprised and asks if they can do that without Naomi. And she says, well, they're all geniuses with over 180 IQ, which, you know, makes me laugh. We move on now to detailed information about Foxhound. 
And this just basically goes back onto what was on the intro, wasn't it? You know, when Campbell yeah. says, Special Forces Unit Foxhound, your former unit, the one I was a commander of. And he just goes on basically to tell them about uh, the, the same, about the six active members. And then he goes on to tell them about Liquid Snake. And this is where Solid Snake really discovers Liquid Snake for the first time, doesn't he? Yeah, he didn't realise that Liquid Snake... Well, he was shocked first that a guy had the same code name as him, Snake. Yeah. They give you some background in him as well. He's basically yeah. British. Yeah, he was raised in Britain and he ended up in the Gulf War as a teenager and the youngest person ever in the SAS, which is the British Special Air Service. It's our version of Navy SEALs, really, if uh, anyone in America is listening. I'm sure everyone knows what the SAS is, really. Yeah, who dares wins? Isn't that the motto of the SAS? Yes, it is. That is the, that is of the SAS. So then they also mentioned that Liquid was a spy for British Secret Intelligence Service, the SIS. I think Bear Grylls was in the SAS. He was. Bear Grylls was in the SAS. Yeah. So was um the former leader of the Liberal Democrats, Paddy Ashdown. He was also in the SAS. Yeah. Yep. More like sausages and sausages to him, I think. So Campbell then shows Snake a picture of Liquid Snake, and they say how they look identical, apart from their skin tone being different. Once this video's done, we can back out, and, we, and if you've watched all these, I think that's the only time you, you got that extra bit at the end, yeah? Like the, the couple of lines between him and Naomi. Yeah, where he was, do you have a, she, he wanted to borrow her scissors. And she asked why, and he says, I don't want to be mistaken for the leader of the terrorists. But you're saying then, why do you think that he has, why, it's, why is it a mistake that he has blonde hair? Well, it's just what people theorise. They seem to theorise that he's not meant to have blonde hair, that he's meant to be, have brown hair, because he's brown hair in this, brown hair in Metal Gear 2, and, and everything else. But it would make sense that he is blonde hair if he's the yeah, if he's, he's a twin. twin and he doesn't want to be mistaken for the leader so does he not plus it's a it's a night infiltration op right so surely he doesn't want blonde hair he wants dark hair so does he not dye his hair dark for the mission maybe but i maybe because in the first metal gear and metal gear 2 he had brown mm-hmm. hair but maybe he dyes his hair brown so that he doesn't stand out i don't know as you say it's one of them things where the internet's divided. People seem to think that, no, the blonde hair was just a mistake. But even his beard's blonde in this, because you can see his face on some of the camera angles, and he's got a blonde beard. Okay. Or blonde stubble, anyway. But yeah, that's it for tonight. That was a lot of background information, and if you stuck with us, thank you very much, really. Next week, we'll get into some actual gameplay right up to the first boss, I think. <laughs>